Welcome to One Shots Tavern. Today we are doing a little bit of a different thing. We are going over some of our favorite tools to use both as DMs and as players in the TTRPG space. Today, if you are listening uh, over audio, you will still probably get a lot out of this. So I'm not trying to scare you off, but if you would like, we are going to be incorporating a bit of visuals and clicking through some links and websites that we are using um, for some of these tools. A lot of them are online tools. Uh, if you feel like you're missing out on visuals, hop over to YouTube uh, and you'll get the full experience that way. Otherwise, I just want to jump into this from my perspective as I guess the more senior GM, not that matters at all, but the amount of tools available today DJ compared yeah. to when I started is like not infuriating, but like do it you, is yeah. so frustrating. <laughs> do you remember when playing 3.5 and when playing Pathfinder back in the day, me specifically asking, is there an app for that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I did. I did. And there really wasn't like there yeah. was from Paizo. It was terrible. So you would hop on to your phone and you would like search in the app store like Pathfinder and there was one and it was fine because like for me personally, I don't do so well with pen and paper Yeah, uh, before pen and paper. It always ends up looking like this and you can't really tell, but I've for audio readers, yeah, for audio <laughs> readers, holding it's chaos. Up. It's a... <laughs> horrifying chicken character scratch. sheet that is water stained yeah i can't even read my own handwriting we it both so have bad. terrible handwriting so it's like <laughs> it's always been a problem for me too especially as a gm yeah. i was not good at paper prep i've tried it many times sometimes when i know a module really well and i know what i'm running for that session i could run just with a like a notepad off to the side but anytime that we used to play, DJ and I used to live close to each other and we did a lot of in-person games. Anytime I was running in-person games because I was running music and I was running like expansive adventures, I was rarely without my laptop at least. Yeah. So a lot of the tools that we're going to kind of jump around today, you probably have heard of some of them, but we just want to talk about the ones we like and that we've gotten a lot out of. Specifically over on YouTube, please drop some of your favorite tools in the description if you don't see them yes. in this video. We wanna check them out. We wanna share them with other people. Yeah, we'll probably do a part two GM tools yeah, in absolutely. the future too. Because it's could evolving be way more. every day. Yeah. The, these, hands down, as a GM, the single most effective tool that I have learned about and started using in the last year is obsidian if you're not familiar with this i think this goes for players as well as gms a city obsidian is a markdown language based notation tool which is a fancy way of saying it's really freaking simple but it's really very powerful yeah the weird thing again if you're looking on youtube this thing that you're looking at for dj's game is i think your alexandria yeah yep. oh yeah your whole huge campaign Every single one of these points on this crazy web map that you see in front of you are different, essentially kind of Google Doc level sheets with information on them. And they're yeah, all, they all linked. interlink. So the idea is when I start writing in a doc, um, if you can pull up just one doc that you don't mind pulling up. 
when I start typing, I can all of a sudden drop down some brackets and then put in like a proper noun or a god, or in this case, DJ, you can explain it. Yes, let me throw some brackets around the word planet because you might need to define the word planet in your game. And so I just put those brackets around there. uh, And so I just step away from it there and bam, it's hyperlinked. The doc has not been created yet that it is hyperlinked to. So you don't have to worry about it. You can just go through, you can write as you're writing, throw in the brackets around the important things and then go back to it later. So that's what I did here in this situation. I added all of the information that I needed uh, and then now I can go in and be like, oh, I need to, oh, I'm trying to click. There we well, go. to I not go to... full oh, tutorial, basically what it lets you do is it lets you more stream of consciousness keep working without right. feeling like, like when I used to do stuff in Google Docs, it was chaos. I either had one huge document that felt disorganized, out of order, like messy or and bloated, or I had a million short documents because sometimes i just want to yeah. write steve the god of darkness and that's all i yep. know about steve right now okay yep, steve is exactly. just the god of darkness so what i can do in obsidian is i can write steve in a in while i'm making him up while i'm writing things about the lore and the universe and i just throw some brackets around steve and i yeah. can come click on steve later and define him better as the god of darkness For example, I mean, this is how I used to keep track of the notes on On your phone (laughs) and my world. It was in my notes tab, individual notes. And so like I was running sessions off of my phone essentially through that. Instead, now I've got Obsidian open and somebody can mention something and I go, oh, I know what folder that's in. Open up the folder. So let's say, oh, cool. We've got mechanization here oh the gods okay cool i need one of those cool there's See, it's my a short note description right about my... that god that isn't right. overly complex and you can make it as big as you want it could be a huge amount of lore for this Massive. god that you just wrote out but then when you're in another tab and you happen to mention anthura or ether or adaran or whatever like you can go oh crap what did i even who is that? And then you click into it or you hover over it and boom, you have access to all of the information exactly. that you put together about that. This isn't even getting into how complex and amazing you can make Obsidian. This is surface level. And that's as far as I yes. want to go right now because I want you to try it. And it's so yep. fun. Just Obsidian. It's free. Definitely check yeah. it out. If you get really into it, there are discords dedicated yeah. to all of the mods that you can add into Discord. It's beautiful. And there are um, YouTube so, tutorials yeah. of how to build this out specifically that like reference GitHub links that pull in all the 5e rules or whatever. I've done my own version of that with doing stuff with Cypher where I've pulled in some of the rules from PDS, a little bit more arduous, yeah. but there are ways to make this black screen that you see right now look like, like parchment. D&D Beyond does or in parchment. Yeah. And there's ways to make... I build out my GM screen in something called, what are they called? Canvases, which lets me take each of these notes that are scrollable and I pin them all over this board and be able to look at them and reference them at any point in time when I'm like running my session. So hands down, number one, if all you get from this as a GM or as a player that likes to ever take notes, 
because you should uh, check out obsidian <laughs> it's incredible it's it's gonna change how you think it is designed from the designer's perspective yeah. it is designed to work like your brain that's exactly. all of these nodes that are connected it's because you're writing and referencing the same things over and over again that need to be re-referenced but you don't yeah. need to explain everything about the lore of a god every single time they're referenced but you also don't want to forget it when you need to reference it so yeah check it out remember that npc steven that you came up with and you needed to reference and remember what his name was because your players decided that they're in town and they want to check on him again yep fantastic he's exactly in the NPC tab right there yeah uh, so yeah that's obsidian. and you can build Obsidian's it out however great. you want the the thing yep. and, and to bring up another tool that i'm sure people that are listening are familiar with or um, that i have no problem with world anvil i don't know if you pulled that one up um, i don't i can get it real quick but it works very similar to obsidian it's just a lot less customizable what they do instead because obsidian is a blank slate right you are the world builder but you're also the organizer of everything World right. Anvil is a little bit more structured. I've used it before, but I felt a bit constrained by how it works. It's a similar structure where you're building out a Wikipedia for your universe that you're right. building, but it has prompts. It's like there's whole sections for magic items. There's whole sections for putting maps that have pins that are interactive. It has right. tons and tons of stuff that you can play with. So check that out too if you want yeah. a little bit more of a guided experience. Yeah, World and Anvil is great. Obsidian has a lot of those tools now built in that will pull yeah. from other places. Uh, so it's a little more decentralized. But yep. Yeah. And then if on that track as well, another one that I am a big fan of is going to be an Incarnate. Incarnate is where I typically build all of my maps. And so you can get as detailed or as undetailed as you want with Incarnate. Yep. Um, and so that was like how my world of Adaros began uh because i wanted to make a map for a campaign that i was running for andrew and a few of our other for the sea of sorrows and i was like oh this is fun all right cool i made that map i was like how detailed can i get with like my own thing and it i think it turned out pretty decent um but i've seen ones that blow mine away so yeah you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. A map gives players something. It, don't get me wrong. There's actually downsides of using a map sometimes, but the map can <laughs> yeah. become its own character in a campaign. In the game that yeah. DJ ran for Sea of Sorrows, we were in the craziness of the Shadow Realm, Raved. Ravenloft, yeah. and we, but we knew where we were going. Even though it wasn't a hex crawl, if you're not familiar with that, would be where you took a map and you can overlay a hex on it yeah. and you know exactly the like point coordinates that <laughs> you are on it. Longitude. My gosh. <laughs> and there's GMs that they will prep every single yeah, hex. 100%. That's possible through inc Incarnate, but it also can just be simple where you're like, okay, I understand more about this universe now because I know how it's laid out. Super cool tool. I found it a little clunky to play with. I just didn't honestly spend the time getting good at it, to be completely honest. Um, That's fair. So it takes a little bit of time, but I highly recommend taking a look at that if you're in need of a map. And that's some of the GM prep stuff. Is there anything else like on the GM side that you find like invaluable yes. for you? 
without so getting into the like one. in-person versus online stuff. Yeah, so this is a new one for me, actually. Uh, let's see if I can get Uncharted Journeys. Is oh, yeah. something that I have started to use. This gets more into the supplement side of things. Yeah, for uh, sure. Whereas Wizards of the Coast, they do rely on their third-party creators to come up with these things. But Uncharted Journeys is absolutely wonderful if you are doing traveling sessions because that is one of the worst parts of running a module or campaign is the travel sessions because and it doesn't have to be because it does not have to be because they give you what like eight things usually to choose from not choose from to roll on uh, but really yeah. you got to choose from them because they tell you you're going to be traveling for 10 15 20 days we got to do an episode um, about travel. This would be a good one to, to talk about. Yes, yeah. 100%. I, I have agree. so much to uh, say. <laughs> because, yeah, that's then yeah, you're that's the thing, right? So, what this supplement does is it gives you the tools down to what kind of like environment are they in? Are they in the haunted lands? Are they in the hells? It gives you so much. And then it gives you pages of random encounters that you can come across. Uh, supplements are are a big one for me. Let's say I can't find white mouse on white. Background. Right. Which brings me to like how I said, Wizards of the Coast often relies on their third parties to come up with their supplements. Um, yep. Which there is like, one company is lazy and not wrong. There's a lot right. of spaces where as, even as a designer and a GM, it's like, I'm going to yeah. build this stuff. And if you're going to play with it and you're interested in overland travel being important to your game, you may need to build other stuff. Like that's okay. Yeah. It's also a little lazy when you build, I don't know, a whole adventure around pirate ships and then don't really give you very good ship combat. What? It's, Who said yeah. that? <laughs> So see, uh, what is it? Uh, salt marsh. Yeah. So it's like th that is a downside of a lot of the stuff that wizards will put out. But there's there is there's yeah. so much in the third party world that helps solve those problems. And I'm excited to check out that supplement specifically. Oh, I see yes, where you're it going. It is. It is so good. So yeah, segue to. So there are different ways that different publishers handle this and handle optional rules. For example, we all know that Dungeons and Dragons is a fantasy setting and it does that pretty well. People definitely want to make fifth edition other things and they have tried. Uh, there are a ton and some of them are decently successful. However, uh, Monty Cook Games is basically in the business of here's a blank rule set we're going to make a supplement to help you with that. Uh, <laughs> and so for this one, stay alive. It just has awesome rival horror stuff. Um, so it's the, the cipher system, one that I have. and it is yeah. additional rules for the cipher system to make it work for a horror exactly. tone and theme. It's not necessarily a setting. They do yeah. give you three or four adventures in the back. But what it is instead is, hey, here are some optional rules that you can use that are going to work well with our system uh stars are fire that's their space and cyberpunk and all of that one stay alive zombies and vampires and werewolves oh my and then and, there's the rust uh, one that's coming there's, out there's rust and redemption that's the one i'm the most excited about because it's post-apocalypse and it just sounds fun mad maxi yeah. 
And we were all mad down here, which is like Alice in Wonderland and like super your, weird fantasy your, fairy tale. Your public domain fairy tale stories. Yes. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's like the what, ones what do you upon have a next, time. Andrew? <laughs> okay. So the thing that I want to jump to is something I wholeheartedly miss and I'm excited to get back to having them more. And that is in-person games. Yes. So something about in-person games that was so special to me as an artist, not just a GM, was being able to find ways to create an immersive experience. You'll hear me say that a million times. I always care about making an immersive experience. So does every GM. But the my favorite ways to do that, and DJ didn't even get the chance to experience some of this, but that was through lighting, sound, and props, yes. um, as well as the normal stuff of miniatures and maps and terrain. So yep. you can probably pick up on it pretty quick, but I have access to a 3D printer. And so I've <laughs> made all kinds of weird stuff over the years. This is not going to go full show and tell, but I've made and kit bashed together all sorts of like little microchips and mega corporation logos. And I've bought stuff at the Dollar Tree and ripped it apart and spray painted it and made stickers and caution symbols yeah. and stuff to make these weird props that lets my players feel more connected. And so what my favorite moment was because of props was in my in in one of my home games about a year and a half ago and two players both pulled guns on each other and then a third player pulled a gun and it was full on <laughs> like the meme level moment of the what you say right like where they're like all holding guns on each other and yelling at each other <laughs> but they had they weren't just using finger gun i'm gonna keep my prop off mostly just like it's 3d printed i have the privilege of having a 3d printer it's not an expensive one i learned how to use it it was a pain in the butt but throwing myself into that hobby allowed me to make some really cool things that changed how my table felt not just forcing them to only imagine things. Some people have a hard time yeah. with the theater of the mind side that I actually often prefer. What I was able to do was start putting things in front of my players and they were able to interact with it. Oh, I remember what you were going to say. You were saying something about the mind's eye thing. The yes. whole point is it's giving somebody something that it's giving them the connection to the table. It's connection right. to the world. And um, it's not just forcing them to stay in their head, but to realize the benefit of playing in-person games of there are humans in front of me that I'm pretending <laughs> are something else. And it gives a little bit more believability. I've never yeah. been at a play at a table that has cosplay at it. I would love that. That would I, be I so would cool. Um, I would eat it up so fast. Yeah, that's a big thing. Obviously, there's a lot more we can talk about, but basically the short version is try out props. If you're running in-person games, learn how to make aged paper maps. You print off it, you, know, you figure it out. Like it's, It is not as inaccessible as it feels. Don't call yourself right. not an artist. Just try it out. Make some cool yeah. things. Make a puzzle for your next game. Yep. And Game Masters, uh, the props aren't just for the players. Nope. Uh, and maybe they don't see the props, but there are so many supplemental, like physical things that will right. help you out that people just produce and they sell for uh, too little money. Uh, yeah. For example, like this is a monster deck 
for a system. And so it has the different like monsters and their stat blocks. Or are you having a hard time with NPCs? Here we go. Let me grab one. Oh, Henry Kolb. He's got a dapper appearance. He's got a misanthropic demeanor. Kind of ill-tempered, though. And it show, tells me what his modifications are. That's like, awesome. that sort of thing can help the role play and the session in you without that awkward pause of, I didn't yep. have that prepped, so now I have to think about it. Yep. <laughs> Which, so. like, DMs get better at that over time, but really all they're doing is hiding their sneaky little tools. Like, that's yep. the... I remember how often I would use name generators. I'm sure listeners have while making any number of characters have been to like fantasy name generator.com. They're fine. They're perfectly fine. I still use them on occasion. They're not bad resources to play around with, but anything that can lower the barrier of I need a thing at my fingertips right now, please. That's really what you need. And I've taken stuff from those and made my own name generators for like using Google sheets and stuff. Yeah. All that's, totally free right um, i bring that because like i'm showing off props and dj's got a deck and look we're not here shilling products we're just saying <laughs> there's so many cool things available there's so many things <laughs> but also there's a lot that's free and and yes. a lot of it's going to be online on john is one of the most popular fantasy generators out there i use it probably every time somebody says hey can i see if i can buy some things it, like, for example, their shop generator, you t say exactly how large the town is. It gives you a random list. It gives you the name of the place. And every time, okay, now, and then you refresh it. It should give Vincent's Wondrous Ornaments. It does the work for you. There it you go. It's great. It's supplemental. It's free. It and sucks it, populating a shop's inventory. 100%. Like, and it's actually what I usually do is I usually don't have a shop's inventory depending on the system I'm running. And I'm like, look, players, what do you want? Let's just be real. What kind of thing are you looking for if you don't know what you want? You know, are you right. trying to solve a problem? Are you trying to become more powerful? That's usually what I'm trying to help guide them towards something maybe I'm already aware of. But also, I cannot tell you how much random tables and generated <laughs> inventories has caused utmost amazing unexpected chaos in my games and i love it you'll uh, surprise we like cypher so monica game cypher system they have incredible options for the ciphers in the game they're yes. the one-off magic items they use them once and then they're gone so it helps balance the amount of power that they might bring to the table but that thing that they just rolled on a random chart that gives them the ability to nuke a room <laughs> will make a session like oh, 100 incredible and yeah. it just adds that flavor all of a sudden where it's just okay cool so i have something for this it might be a little chaotic yeah. um but i'm going to pull this man out of phase with reality for the next <laughs> hour <laughs> and we're gonna run <laughs> yep for sure yep. um and then the other the other big thing in person is miniatures and painting terrain and stuff I don't yes. need to get into that too much, but if you haven't tried it, you're likely on YouTube right now or have been on YouTube. Yeah, look, DJ's got a freaking cracking Eldritch Horror dude. I um, painted that. 
and he painted it. And it's like a DJ, this is not a dig, would not be a normally a person that's like, I paint and I'm a, I'm an annoying artist nope. type, right? People yeah. always go, I could never paint minis like you, Andrew. I'm like, shut up. Yes, you can. I know people that are not artistic at all that have done incredible miniatures because it is so about learning impatient. processes. Yeah. Yeah. I am so impatient. And so I was definitely one of those guys that was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, but like, here's the thing. Even if you're running uh, in person or if you're running online, I know game masters who will print and paint yep. the minis for their characters regardless and make yep. sure that their players have it. Because yeah, a tool helps. that we it's can a connection, a tool we can not go full demo on because it'll become the whole episode is Hero Forge. You're likely aware of it. It is like a video game style character builder um, that lets you build out a 3D model that you can either order to have shipped 3D printed and shipped to you. Yeah, look at this little gnome dude that DJ put together. You can also, segueing to our next subject, which is online play, you can also get access to the 3D model. Not for yes. in-person play, but you can also use it on a VTT, which is a virtual tabletop. Um, and the, there's a lot of ways to import them into the different platforms. Yeah. Um, yep. it's, it is a phenomenal platform to build things out. You can get a digital token, not even the 3D model, just if you want artwork of your character. Before the shift towards so much accessible AI artwork, people that couldn't, that didn't have the money to commission portraits would often build their character out in inside of hero forge and to yep. finally visualize their character for the first time. And it, it's a great platform more along the lines of hero forge and using it with a VTT. I've been, I ran a curse of Strahd campaign and oops, let's get right in his face. Uh, so here's the mini that I created for curse of Strahd. And then here's a map that someone else created of Yester Hill. Big Tailspire has become tree. one of my absolute favorite virtual tabletops because of this. It's not the only one, though. There are so many virtual tabletops, and many of them will work with Hero Forge. Uh, for example, there was another one that I was playing around with. I'm not going to show it, but Dungeon Alchemist. Uh, it's a minorly AI generative map maker. And you can import your Hero Forge minis into that as well, uh, which is super awesome. It works great right now for, for fantasy because uh, that's what it's geared for. Uh, hopefully they add modern assets because I'm a modern girly. But, uh... yeah. <laughs> and so VTTs in general would be an easy segue. So Tailspire is the one we're most familiar with that is full 3D. That as well as Roll20, which I've been playing with for a decade. This solves for a couple things. I run Roll20 because it is extremely simple. It can be very complex. They can have dynamic lighting where you're doing a dungeon crawl and looking around corners right. and you can see the field of view of characters, fog of war, all that kind of stuff. I've done that. But I am, between DJ and I, not that we either of us dislike the other option, but... I'm more inclined to run theater of the mind 
without any grid in front of you if i'm running mm-hmm. things online i'm um, more and often likely to run person. something big and three-dimensional <laughs> yep um whereas like in person i would build huge involved battle maps for every single game that we ran i would paint and print every mini and every baddie as accurately as possible to the story i was telling when i was doing stuff in person that's in person i have a battle grid <laughs> yeah so like we, we, so that being said when i use roll 20 for my games it's because mainly it gives me access to everybody's character sheet it gives me a whiteboard at oh, the drop of a hat if i need to lay things out in a more tactical position based kind of scene um but it also gives me like a screen for players to look at to throw up artwork to yeah move around tokens and when i do theater of the mind i do what i like to call like zone based combat where like i will put minis or tokens on the board that represent the players and the enemies as well as like maybe certain locations but generally movement doesn't matter very much in terms of like proximity on the board it's more just to keep things organized for myself right because running general area Yeah, running true theater of the mind where you're just remembering where everything is in a combat scenario is a nightmare. Because the one player will be like, hey, actually, I told you that I was behind the goblin. And it's like, oh, crap. Okay, so then this other person's turn that we just fully described for the last 15 minutes is moot, right? That's not helpful. So I like Roll20 for that. I also really like it because it is... As far as I know, please comments tell me I'm wrong. The only way to, uh, not the only, one of the best ways to do uh, character sheets for Cypher that also kind of leads people through the process of how the game of Cypher works. And Roll20 is is system agnostic in a lot of ways where you can run a game using just dice and stuff, but you can also purchase different products like you can on other platforms to support the different systems. That being said, right. I don't run any paid cipher assets in my games. So you can use character sheets and you can input everything just like you wouldn't like an active PDF and you can still do all of the roles using the abilities and yeah. all of the features of the cipher system within roll 20. Um, and it's helped me teach cipher a lot easier than asking people online to have a paper piece of like a piece of paper character sheet in front of them. That's never fun. <laughs> yeah. Roll 20 is the best place uh, that I have found so far to have a really simplified cipher sheet. Uh, Foundry does have plugins and stuff. Uh, we can get into Foundry a little bit. I don't have anything to show for Foundry uh, because it takes a lot. It's a lot of setup for that first setup, but it is the most customizable for in that you can build it for whatever system you want and you can make it do just about anything you want. You pay for some server space or you set up your own server. Um, It has great music plugins, character sheet plugins for Cypher, for Vampire the Masquerade, whatever you want to run it for. It works really well. And then if you You can also play like board games on there too. You can play board games on it. It's it's cool. It is really cool. It's also been around for a long time, which is... that's twofold true. okay yes. one it is a lot clunky. of development <laughs> there it is clunky but also until like last year it 
pretty much felt, I'm sure they did. If there's a developer in here, I'm really sorry. It felt like the same platform that I had been on for nine years in bad ways. Like it was, it looked yeah. the same, it was old and it just didn't work very well. Now there's new icons in dark mode and things are a little more organized yeah. and there's it built in audio. It is a significantly better experience now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but it's still it, clunky and you'll figure out what you like in it. And that's the other thing that I want people to be aware of is I'm leaning towards free stuff as much as possible when it comes to these yeah. platforms because a lot of these become a huge investment. Foundry, from what I understand, has the ability to do character sheet stuff but you got to purchase the content just like you would through D&D Beyond and you're buying a digital license that you really don't own at the end of the day. So there's there are certain, I don't know if you want to call them moral quandaries, but there's qualms people might have with doing that. I personally have not invested into Foundry because when I was running a lot of 5e, I was heavily invested into D&D yeah. &D Beyond. Is now a way to use your D&D &D Beyond stuff in Foundry, oh, actually. cool. And so you can, so essentially there's, it's just a little tool that will copy your character sheet over from D&D &D Beyond over to Foundry. Uh, and it does it really well. But onto another vtt uh, that is more for the people who want to run theater of the mind stuff uh -huh. is is alchemy alchemy is here solely not solely they have added maps and stuff to alchemy recent uh, in recent months but one of the places where it excels is these these backdrops uh that kind of give you a nice little it's like a motion know. desktop background thing that sets yeah. tone like art helps to set tone really well and when there's a little bit of movement it again you're just turning up that immersion yep exactly and it helps keep people from wandering off is the big yeah. so we talked about dnd beyond everybody knows dnd beyond there's really not a whole lot of reason to talk about it because every almost everybody has had some experience with it in if you haven't, year. real quick, if you haven't, oh, <laughs> it is a marketplace for D&D 5th edition digital yep. character sheet creation, and they're adding a lot in the world of VTTs. I like to touch on that. It's like, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm just less invested in Wizards of the Coast these days because of issues I've had with them more as a company. That's not to say there's anything wrong with you yeah. playing D&D. &D. Still will always love Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Oh, yeah. It's just, that's not it's... what this podcast is about. <laughs> no, it's not. It occasionally so, will be. There's yeah. an alternative. I've always there is wanted... An alternative. <laughs> I've always wanted the quality that was D&D &D Beyond elsewhere. And yep. it just didn't exist in a way that it felt worth it. I was aware of Demiplane a couple years ago, back when Pathfinder 2 was coming out. At the time, wasn't a big fan. That was like a year ago, by the way. No, that was two years ago. They, they still haven't was... released their Pathfinder tool, Pathfinder tools yet. They've just they announced it back then. Um, oh, I demoed it. Whatever. But they have sorry. Now it's yeah. Starfinder so they demoed too. it at <laughs> GenCon 20. Yeah, it was the year before we went. No, or that the, was five years ago. What yeah, am I talking about? the same about? thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm crazy. Regardless, Demiplane is a great new option for yes, a is. rolled, or sorry, a D20. Ah, 
D&D Beyond digital character sheet that yeah. also incorporates having like rolls and like dice, digital dice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So here's Candela Obscura uh, character sheet for that, for example. But that's not all they have. They have, so we can hop over to their other games. They got Pathfinder 2E, Avatar Legends, Vampire the Masquerade. So we can click into that uh, because I do have actually a character on here. Of course I do. Uh, and so it's just, oh, cool. Here's all of my characters for all of my different games. Cool. We've got my super edgelord, Victor Frost. Required to be edgelord. Former professor. Uh, and Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's great. He's We got to try this out. Uh, at least I mainly got to try out this version of Demiplane with Candela Obscura in That's a right. recent episode. Our friend of the podcast, Danil, is a GM over on Start Playing Games. He ran Candela for us. You can actually watch the whole playthrough over on our Patreon. On our Patreon. Yep. Uh, five bucks gets you access to all the full playthroughs of the games that we do. And I really got to play around with this for the first time. Not only was I was playing around with Candela for the first time, but I was playing around with Demiplane. And it's a really a digital character sheet is good at getting rules out of the way. I do often miss having paper sheets because there was something nice about not having tech in front of everybody. But really, at the end of the day, for accessibility reasons, it is so much a superior experience to be able to yeah. have a character sheet lead you through the process of how roles work, how scars work in Candela and Forged in the Dark kind of games. Like, there it's spelled out for you and it's, it helps you along the way rather than just saying, yeah, it's somewhere on your paper character sheet. Go ahead and fill it out. Yeah. Yep. It helps me significantly to learn systems as well. I, it's been a while since I've done anything with Pathfinder, right? Yeah. So me going through and building a Pathfinder 2 character, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. But guess what? It didn't matter <laughs> that I didn't know what I was doing. It walked me through it. And that is exactly what I want out of one of these tools. And they're adding new games all the time to Demiplane. Yep. I'm hoping that essentially they just become the, hey, open market everything else, here it goes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah, and it, it's interesting. I know DJ brought this up to me recently. It's like, it's interesting to see for the first time in a very long time, D&D Beyond is finally putting um, third-party third -party content, content on their website. It's all still 5th edition D&D, but it's, uh, they recently did a partnership with the Dungeon Dude, uh, another awesome podcast on YouTube. Um, they published a big Kickstarter that was called Dungeons of Drakenheim. Very yeah. cool content. Um, their stuff's on D&D Beyond. And it's like the first time that's happened since they like had a yeah. failed partnership with Riot. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It yeah, was, that was weird. Uh, it didn't last very long. and No, it, it, they took all the content down. <laughs> Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. So, and they did stuff with Darrington Press. Uh, yeah. Done, what's the other ones that they've done? Uh, it's they've done very a limited. Far, but it seems that essentially, if it's going to be added to the Demi Plane Fifth Edition, uh, that it's probably going to end up on D and D Beyond as well. Yep. Is what it, it appears to be, uh, which so, is fine. <laughs> competition, um, competition yep. is good. <laughs> That's kind of why we wanted to do this episode. Is 
There are so many options, and we're not trying to highlight ones that we think you need to be using, but we want to show you that there are options that, that like, you don't need to make everything up. You don't need to find it all yourself. Right. And it's, again, I kind of brought up accessibility a second ago, but there's a lot of barriers to getting into TTRPGs. And yeah. to put a, a bookend on looking through these tools, we could do this all day, right? And we will probably do more, and we want to see what tools you guys are doing and using but the reality is i care about making it possible for as many people that play with me and that listen to this podcast feel like they can play the game that i love and when i say the game i actually i don't mean dnd i don't mean cypher ttrpgs yeah exactly. <laughs> i want people to play because it has changed my life <laughs> and yep. it has made it deeply fulfilling to be able to participate in ttrpgs with my friends so when these tools can get shit out of the way of you feeling like you can't do it, I can't yeah. visualize my character. Okay, let's look at some art tools that we could maybe build one out for you. I don't know how to build a character. Okay, cool. We have a digital character sheet that walks you through it step by step. Maybe you're not because you're not a like an auditory processor where if I'm spewing how to make a character at you, you're just getting overwhelmed. Here's a VTT that shows you the battle map. It's 3D. You can move the camera around. You can figure out the angles that you yeah. want to try and navigate this scenario to do something cool. It's about accessibility. It's about making this game playable and immersive for more people. Yep. And it doesn't matter how you play or who you play with. All that matters is that you play because life is better when we're playing games together. For sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, Editing Andrew here. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode on tools for Dungeon Masters and players alike. We want to invite you to check out our Kickstarters, both Pink Security More and Battle School Over on Kickstarter right now, funding through the end of February. We have both hit our goals and we are in the stretch goals territory, trying to make these projects as good as they possibly can be. Thank you all for the support that you've given us so far. It has meant the world to us to make these dreams a reality and getting into self-publishing if you are not already please follow us over uh, across all social media we are one shots tavern you can find us over on tiktok you can find us on youtube you can find us on spotify wherever you get your podcasts if you would just leave us a review whether it's a comment on youtube or a review on apple podcast that kind of stuff really boosts our ability to get out there and be seen by people as well as we do want to genuinely talk to our audience and learn how we can be better at what we're doing. We're always trying new games, and we're learning from them to become better storytellers and players at the table. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time on One Shots Tavern.